Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Have you filled a bucket today? Is a book that I used to read to my kids growing up about being kind and giving back to others. I should probably dust that one off. But when it comes to your professional and personal networks and relationships, how much are you giving back? How full is your bucket? Brenda Meller is a person who believes strongly in helping to fill people's buckets. As a lover of pie, Brenda's social media pie, which is also the title of her new book, represents how she shares her knowledge and helps others build their networks and relationships. Brenda, a wife, mother of two, an entrepreneur at heart, realized that she was leaving learning opportunities on the table, which helped propel her to write her book. Like many former podcast guests, Brenda's story involved many life transitions, which we know can be an extremely emotional journey. How we decide to meet these challenges or opportunities is primarily determined by our mindsets. Brenda's mindset of giving back is a motivating one for me, and I hope for you as well. Please enjoy my conversation with Brenda Meller. So one of the things that I think is very underestimated in in life when it comes to life transitions, and I deal with you know the families that I've worked with over the years and and personally is career transitions, and that's actually how I first got introduced to you was through mm-hmm. a career transition. So I think where I want to okay. start our conversation is to have you open up and talk about um, your career transition that you went through that kind of springboarded you into what you're doing today. And then we'll come back and talk about Meller marketing and, and all the different things that you do. But I okay. think I think starting with your background and, and that journey that you went through, I think is a really, I think my audience really enjoys uh, listening to that. And, and, and especially for those going through a job transition now, gives yeah. them a lot of hope. Okay. Yeah. Cause it is, uh, like the, there's a lot of similarities and stories and themes, you know, that you hear from people too. So what was it? So tell us about your story and how, and, and what your, your career transition or job transition was like. And I know it's been some time, but I, talk yeah. walk us through what that was like and, and how you got through it. So in terms of kind of the backstory, I mean, I was always a corporate marketer. I, you know, I, I knew early on that I wanted to go into business and, and studied marketing in my undergrad degree and kind of did all the things you were supposed to do, get the first job, and then you leave the first job when you're ready and you've kind of outgrown it and you want to move on to the second job. And, um, you know, my, my last corporate job I had found using LinkedIn. So it was back at, you know, the height of the recession in 2008. I didn't want to do the monster hot job thing because I was sick of it. And I hated the black hole. You know, you apply to job upon job, but you never hear anything back. So I kind of leaned into LinkedIn a little bit and discovered this was a way that I could reach out and connect with people who were doing hiring and contact them directly and not have to be at the mercy of HR and the recruiters and whatnot. Um, And, you know, at that point, I was kind of anti-social media. I was not on Facebook. I was not really active on any platforms. And I was using LinkedIn. But then when, when I got this job using LinkedIn, I kind of was like, wow, this is a game changer. So for me, I kind of leaned into it and just developed a knack for social media. And at the time I had to develop the social media communities for the organization in the, in the marketing role that I was in. So I had to figure out how to use it. And that combined with, you know, just a knack for teaching it to others, showing it to others. It was like, I was building upon what I was going to be doing today, you know, back, you know, over 10 years ago. Um, and I rose up through the ranks. I started as a marketing manager, was promoted up to director of marketing. My boss, who is the chief marketing officer, left. I went through an executive leadership program and then was promoted up to the next level up, which was assistant vice president of marketing. And, 
you know, I was kind of had my sights on the, the C-suite chief marketing officer. That's what I wanted. I wanted to move up into to that role. And I was already sitting around the leadership table. I was already a part of the board meetings, presenting to a board and leading a team, internal, external team members and agencies. And I really liked being, you know, in that leadership role, mentoring and, and supporting the organization and, and my team. And um, I'd been there for about nine years, loved the job. It was such an amazing opportunity. And the challenge for me was always like, when do you leave a company? You don't want to leave for something that's not as good. You know, that was always a challenge for me, but I kind of felt like I'd been there, done that. We, we'd been going through different cycles in, in terms of the business. And I, and I felt like we were really in a challenging spot, not just my organization, but the entire industry is higher ed. So higher ed was really in a tight um, position. And I wanted to be, I wanted to move into a growth industry where I could be successful in, in, in an industry that was growing. Um, and I started interviewing, I wasn't finding a lot. We had a leadership change at the organization. A new president came in. And I even remember back in the day, Paul, people would reach out to me and say, hey, Brenda, you know, new leaders going to come in. You might want to think about moving because marketing is often something that they change. And I, uh, I was like, yeah, and I, I wasn't saying I'm already looking and it wasn't because of that, but it was, I was looking. And um, one day I was sat down, you know, the annual performance review meeting, sat down and really was surprised. I was told my position was going to be eliminated and I had three months to, um, to stay with the organization and, and find another position. Or if I decided not to, you know, kind of let them know. And, and I went home and it was a very emotional, it was a Tuesday, it happened. It was a very emotional week. I, I felt all of my emotions. I cried every night, big tears. And I was devastated. It was kind of like going through a divorce when you didn't know that your spouse was cheating on you is the best way. <laughs> I mean, I've never been through that process, but that's what it felt like. I felt like I had been betrayed. I didn't see it coming. I was, um, you know, well-respected by the organization, loved the job I was doing. I just won an award, you know, from an outside organization for, for, for being, um, you know, in a marketing leadership role. So, um, but, you know, be that as it may, I went back into work the next Monday and I kind of felt numb working that whole day. And I did what I was supposed to do. And I was in a meeting and I remember writing things on a whiteboard going, what the heck am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous that I'm here. Um, and at the end of the day, I met with HR and the leader of the organization. And I said, today's my last day. And here's how I want to exit the organization. And I had had the benefit, Paul, of meeting with people over that, that weekend who could help me to obtain clarity about what was happening and what should happen next. I was in an emotional place. I, I was, it wasn't denial. I, I had accepted it, but I was in shock. And I really was thinking, I'm going to work here for three months until I find a job. And how am I going to go into this place every single day? And I remember one person in particular, her name's Marilyn. She, uh, we met for, for coffee on, on, a, on a Sunday. And she said, okay, so tomorrow's your last day. And I was like, what? Marilyn, tomorrow's not my last day. I can't leave. I'm the breadwinner in my family. And she said, Brenda, can you picture yourself working there for three months? Can you picture yourself looking at the mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror every day for the next three months? And I said, absolutely not. I don't know how I'm going to do this. So she helped me kind of think through what I wanted from the process, what the organization was looking to seek. And, um, you know, I left and I, and I held my head high. I was very transparent with folks about my departure from the organization. Um, and as I look back now, Paul, I was always on the corporate track, like I said earlier, I wanted that and that to me was success. So um, I never would have had the courage to leave. I never would have had the courage to start my own consulting business. So I like to say now the universe nudged me forward. I never would have had that courage. Kind of like if you're standing at the deep end of the pool and you're like, I'm not gonna be able to jump in because I'm, I'm gonna sink. I'm not gonna be able to swim. Someone pushed me in and guess what? I swam. And not only did I swam, I swam laps around that pool. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that kind of brings me to where I am today. My company is Meller Marketing and I help people unlock the power of LinkedIn. Well, that's, a, that's amazing because I did not know that aspect of your story because I don't know, maybe it just has never come up in the years that we've known each other and had these conversations before because... I had a very similar track when I went through my job transition, same situation where they allowed me, well, if you want to stay on, you can stay on for X amount of months. And, you know, I remember telling Teresa, I'm like, I don't know how to go into that office yeah. every day. I just, it doesn't, 
it doesn't feel right. It feels awkward. I'm like, I don't know if like who knows about the situation, who doesn't. And it, it just made it really hard. So, so I want to go back to Maryland for a second. Yeah. So, so is Maryland the one that gave you that, that nudge to, to, to make that decision and, and to lead you into what you're doing now? Uh, you know, I, so interestingly enough, I mean, there was, there was building blocks that were in place that now it's like looking back, I go, oh, okay. That's why things were happening the way that they were happening. I had, um, you know, I worked for a higher ed institution. So one of the benefits is you could, you could go to school and earn your master's degree for free, which I did. And I got a dual degree, uh, MBA, master of science in marketing. One of my classes was in entrepreneurialism. And we had to create a website, which I did. I called it Meller Marketing. And it was just a novelty. I'll call it Meller Marketing. And I, I said it was LinkedIn co- consulting for executive women. And I was, you know, kind of helping a little bit on the side. And then I decided they walked us through the process, how to set up an LLC. And I'm like, well, I may as well just set it up because I'm getting some side income here and there. And I had talked about it with my previous, um, you know, the previous leader of the organization. She was very aware of what, what I was doing. And she said, as long as you're not using company time or resources, it's fine. If you want to take the day off to do a speaking engagement, we have teachers and professors that do that. So it was fine. So I was setting things up. I had the LLC. I ended up setting up a separate bank account for my LLC, but it was just more like a, like a hobby, um, you know, kind of like a moonlighting, you know, type of thing. It was never a side hustle with the intent of leaving. And I admired people that had done that. And I never thought I could be one of those people, but I never was like planning. I wasn't, I wasn't the person who said, this is my five-year plan. And on X day, I'm going to leave the company and, 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 you know, leave corporate. Um, But for me, I had the LLC set up. I had the website set up. I had met with a couple people in the events leading up to that, that had said, you know, you're really good at this LinkedIn stuff. You could do this for a living. And I said, you're crazy. Every time someone say, I'm like, you're crazy. I even had one of my coworkers, her name's Bonnie. And she, you know, at one point she knew I was kind of frustrated with things. And she's like, you know, you could just leave and start your own marketing business. And I said, Bonnie, you're crazy, you know? Um, But it was all of these things that led up to it. And I think Marilyn gave me the nudge to leave corporate when I did, I, I, I was going to leave. It was just, she was helping me to see that I could leave on my own timeline and that there was a way that you could, you know, retain some of your dignity and self-worth going through the process. Because otherwise, I mean, Paul, I was numb that Monday. I, at the end of the day, I'm like, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't, I was, it was, you know, you know, you've you've been through it. It's like, you feel like you're walking in a fog. You've been told by the company in so many words, we no longer see your value here. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I mean, that's what it was. And it was It's, um, and even though it wasn't performance based per se, it was, they wanted to take things in a new direction. They no longer saw me having value in the future, which that stings a lot. It hurts. Yeah, it It hurts. But I look back and I'm a big believer in social media karma and and karma in general, Paul, what goes around comes around. And I have to say, I am so glad I left when I did. And I'm so glad that I started the business because I am so much happier now than I ever was in any of my corporate career. And I had a great corporate career all throughout the years. I had great positions. The last one was probably my, my best and my favorite up until things weren't as good. Right. But it's all good now. I'm, you know, I'm in a happy place. It's been over three years since I've left corporate and there is, um, you know, like people say, you know, the, the grass is always, not always greener. The, the grass can definitely be much greener and the water's fine. If I use that pool <laughs> analogy, um, every dollar I make that generates money for my business goes into my pocket. Whereas when you work with in a corporate role, anything you generate or that you do well, you might get a pat on the head or an additional bonus at the end of the year. But for me, my ceiling is what I set for myself now. It's no longer the limits of my salary in my corporate role. I think you, I know that you work with a lot of people in tra- transition. I talk and work, you know, with people in transition. We both know Rich Spriegel and Rich was like my Marilyn um, going through that. And I'll never forget it. The way that Rich put this is he said, said Paul, you can only run from your destiny for so long. Because when I first sat down and, and I'll link our, my conversation, the rich that I just had a few weeks ago in the show notes, but um, he, when we, when I first met him, sat down, I explained who I am, what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I talked a lot about Tama and he's like, what's this Tama? And, and so I, 
I'm like, well, like, you know what you need to do. But at the time, going back to what you said too, I was the breadwinner yes. and, you know, Teresa was working, but you know, we have four small kids. We needed both of our incomes. And I'm like, just, you know, going, you know, launching into the business full-time was not an option. Yeah. I had been building it as a side business and, you know, the plan was always eventually to, to grow into it. But, um, that was, that was really, really challenging. So, um, that's, uh, I, I'll never forget that from rich. Um, so I think where I want to go next is to have you talk a little bit about Meller marketing and what exactly you do, the people that you work with and how you help, because I think that'll be a natural lead and into specifically some of the LinkedIn things I'd, I'd like you to share with, with the audience. I know I had Terry being on a, a few weeks ago um, and I said, well, let's talk about LinkedIn. And obviously the first thing he said, well, well, you need to interview uh, Brenda Meller. I'm like, well, ironically, <laughs> she's uh, in the queue. So here we are. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I guess to answer your question, you know, um, what do I do? I mean, when I first started off my business, I was, I was, I didn't want to put everything in the LinkedIn basket. I didn't want to put all eggs in one basket. So I really started with it. I was doing social media management. I was doing marketing strategy and consulting. And then I had LinkedIn as kind of a niche. And over time, I, you know, I had a lot of retainer clients. I was doing social media and things like that. And over time, I really figured out I, I enjoyed LinkedIn. I had so much depth of knowledge on the platform and really understood how to help. I mean, I kind of use the the catchphrase, how to help people unlock the power of LinkedIn, how to use it more effectively. And I kept seeing the same mistakes happening time over time after time. And I would land on profiles. And it was like, to me, as a marketer, I look at these things and I'm like, you don't have a header graphic. And people are like, what's a header graphic? And there's just so much opportunity to teach people different techniques and then help them to understand how they could do, um, you know, profile optimization themselves, how they could grow their network, how they could, you know, generate more leads um, for their business. So I I stopped doing the marketing work first, you know, the the event marketing and marketing plan development, I stopped doing that. And then I started uh, no longer signing on social media management clients. And at the beginning of 2020, Paul, I was like, this is the year for Meller marketing. LinkedIn is rocking. I was starting to do more speaking engagements. I was being booked for national conferences. Corporate clients outside of the state of Michigan were now paying for me to, to fly in and train their teams. Things yeah, really you were happy. on that speaker circuit. Like I was. I was like producing and I just I had one come up in my Facebook timeline the other day. It was like my speaker demo reel video that I had produced in February, early February of 2020. And remember that it was kind of like there was whispers, but we weren't in where, you know, we weren't in that serious mode that we were when we got into March of last year, but um, it came up in my Facebook timeline and it was like, I, I think I filmed it in January, you know, <laughs> I published it in February and I look back and I'm like, man, Brenda did not know what was happening, <laughs> but um, no, I was doing a lot. There was so much opportunity and then, and then things all changed um, for everyone, you know, last year. So at the beginning of the year, I made the conscious decision to lo- no longer take on social media management clients during you know the the 2020 part of the pandemic, I had several of my clients that pulled back from their social media because they they had no funding anymore and they were cutting staff and team. They were just trying to remain viable, and I get it. So I had the the social media management clients that I had kept on. Um, they were paying me, were canceling out basically or pausing, I should say. And I'm like, well, we're going to be here for a little while. Uh, what can I do to start shifting and helping other people for one, you know, there's a lot of people that were losing jobs, not by any fault of their own. And I, I had a, I had a soft spot cause I'd been through that before. They didn't know how to use LinkedIn. They weren't be, really being given any sort of outplacement help. Maybe here's a resume coach, but that was about it. So they had no safety net for, for looking for a job. And by the way, I never wanted to fade into the background. I never wanted to people to have people say, whatever happened to Brenda, you know, whatever happened to her. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to ramp up and I'm going to start to lean into helping more people using LinkedIn for job search. And I launched a webinar series there. And um, at the same time, I started increasing what I was doing with live video. I had access to LinkedIn live, which is an application you have to apply. They have to approve to give you access. Um, so I started doing, I think in the beginning, it was like five days a week. I was doing one interview every single day going live. So I just was shining the spotlight on other people, 
that were being interviewed in the LinkedIn Live. I was doing the work helping LinkedIn, um, helping job seekers using LinkedIn, and I just kept up visibility. And then as the year went on, I was still focusing only on LinkedIn. And I had people say, well, looks like all networking is only going to be virtual for a while. Uh, we still have some, some training and development funds that are left. Can I hire you to, you know, rewrite my LinkedIn profile, show me how to use the platform, train my sales team, you know, whatever it was. And then I started realizing there's the opportunities were still out there. Um, and so, so now I'm solely focused on LinkedIn strategy, but that includes both individual LinkedIn coaching. It includes company pages, and it also includes team training. Um, I published a book, which is a, a fun, you know, yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So, and it's funny that you, you talk about Terry Bean because he was one of my first idols, I guess is what I'm going to say. Like, I remember yeah. seeing Terry Bean at an event and he remembers the event. I always forget what it is. But I remember him seeing it was in the early days of social media and he was talking about social media and Facebook and this LinkedIn thing. And I kind of knew LinkedIn, but I didn't know anything else at that point. And I just remember like starry I, I was probably at the table like with my hands on my chin <laughs> looking up at him with starry eyes because I was amazed at all this knowledge he had. Hopefully and, Stephanie um, wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, Stephanie's uh, Terry's wife. <laughs> oh, no, no, it wasn't like in that way. It was more like I admired him. It wasn't like in a inappropriate no, way. No, 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 no. I know what you mean. I was trying to <laughs> but, be funny. <laughs> yeah, but I, um, you know, I really, you know, and, and Terry and I have always, and I remember like he was a early supporter of me when I was starting to launch my business. I remember this one day I called him. And I thought he knew my number. So when I called him, I said, hey, Terry, how you doing? And he's like, good. And he didn't say, who is this? So I kind of just went on with the conversation. And I said, I've been asked to put together a proposal for LinkedIn training. And I said, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my pricing and I think I need to increase it, but I'm not sure how much to charge. And I was going through, and he was very like standoffish, which is unlike Terry, you know, yeah. in the phone call. And he's like, well, why should I tell you my pricing? You know, maybe I should be doing it. And I was like, I said, Terry, are you okay? And he's like, I don't know if he said, who is this first? Or if I said, it's this Brenda. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, I didn't even know who this was. He's like, I'll totally tell you what my pricing <laughs> you know, scenario is. <laughs> and, um, but we have remained supporters of each other. I, you know, I've referred business to him. He's referred business to me. And it's really great when you can be in a space where you don't look at other people that do the same thing as you as competition. He introduced me to the concept of coopetition. I know he didn't create the concept, but Coopetition. So the more that you support other people that do things similar to you, the more that we can benefit from each other. That's this abundance mentality, essentially. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're the one that actually first introduced me to Terry. Like I didn't know Terry until I met oh, really? you like yeah. all those years ago. And it's funny that you mentioned this. Um, and, and I know Terry's talked to me about this before, or talked to other people about this, this cooperation you know, believe it or not, there's, we, I see that a lot within the wealth advising space that I'm in. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm part of a network that, you know, that's, it's nationwide and, you know, there's a big contingent here in Michigan and we get together, um, uh, you know, on a monthly basis and talk about how we can help each other because that's the one thing within the wealth service, you know, wealth management, planning, financial planning, whatever you want to call it industry, financial services is that we're becoming more niche. So you have people that work specifically with business um, entrepreneurs, maybe specifically women entrepreneurs, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, my niche is working with families because when I look in the mirror, I've got, you know, this unique situation with triplets plus one. So yeah, I work with a lot of families, families with multiple kids. Well, they don't necessarily have to have twins or triplets, but you know, they have multiple kids and we're all dealing with a lot of the same lifestyle and financial priorities that are tugging at us. And so, you know, who better to work with than somebody that's living through it themselves. So I, I totally get that. And, and that's the great thing about this LinkedIn community that, that I know that you're a part of is that you guys share uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about the book, Social yeah. Media Pie. <laughs> and that's yeah. that was like your unique I'll call it lack of a better term tagline like you would always talk about pie so right. tell us how this tell us how pie became <laughs> to be represented by Brenda Meller and then how did how did the book come about yeah 
it's it's interesting. It, it wasn't um, again. It wasn't like an intentional direct line path. You know, I wasn't one of those people who said I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called Social Media Pie and I'm going to publish it in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> you know, like none of these things were were supposed to happen. But um, so you know, the I'd always wanted to be an author. I guess I'll start with that. I'd always wanted to write. Growing up, I loved reading. I was. Um, I remember growing up in, in elementary school and when you, when you finished your work in the classroom, um, an ad- incentive was you could go to the library and check out more books. Like I loved reading so much, like, and I would remember just spending hours and hours reading all the time and growing up, um, you know, started reading a lot more fiction books and stuff. And I wanted to be an author. I wanted to write. Um, and I started a couple books, but they never really took off. And then when I started doing a lot more on the speaking circuit, people would come up to me after events, ask questions. Oh, I love to talk, things like that. And they would say, do you have a book? Where can I buy your book? You know, what books, what books do you have available? Are you selling any books at the event here today? And it's, you get asked this question one time, it's flattering four or five or six times you start to realize you're leaving an opportunity on the table. You know, if I bought, if I had a book, I could be selling books. And I started looking around at other people who are speakers, having a published book creates validity for you as a professional speaker. And I don't know what the stats are, Paul. I I imagine it's out there somewhere, like how many people in the world are published authors? Like it's probably a a small percentage because it's a lot. It takes a lot to go through the process of actually getting a book published. And it's easier now because you can self-publish, but it's still, it's it's work to to do a book. So for me, when I decided I definitely need to write a book, okay, it needs to be about LinkedIn because that's what people are asking me about. Um, then the struggle for me, this is the imposter syndrome. Okay. The struggle for me was how am I going to write a book when there's so many other people out there that already have a book about LinkedIn. And I started looking around on Amazon and I started going to the bookstores and there was just a lot of the same themes in, in what I was seeing. And some, some were good and some weren't that good. And then I started realizing I'm overthinking this LinkedIn. I didn't create LinkedIn, you know, Terry didn't create LinkedIn. We all have our own points of view on how to use it. So I needed to figure out what my unique point of view was and what resonated with my audience. And then I could wrap the book around that as a theme. At the same time, you know, my, my business was really starting to, to ramp up with the speaking engagements. And one day I was like, out of the blue, I, um, I brought a pie to give away and I had a whole pie themed PowerPoint template for my presentation. I think it was like social media marketing and and every slide had like, it was a picture of bananas on one slide and then it was a banana cream pie on the next slide. And I, I had a hashtag that day. It was called social media pie. And um, it was like, I was using analogies, how pie is similar to marketing and how you can use social media to promote your business. It was a Sterling Heights Chamber event. And at the end of the event, I had, I think I had a big pie and a small pie to give away. And I had a pie tin that I had everybody drop their business card in and I pulled the winners and the people that won this pie, Paul, was like, I had given them a Mercedes Benz or a million dollars. They were like, oh my gosh, I never win anything. It was a pie. Yeah. I mean, I bought it from, I don't know if it was Grand Traverse pie or, or something, but it was, it was a nice pie, but it was still as a pie, you know? Um, but what I realized that day is that, that I really do love pie, but it made, it, it helped to differentiate me in a way that wasn't overly businessy or salesy. You know, you and and then it was also it was a it was a unique thing that not a lot of people owned in the space. So there's like the bacon people. You probably know someone like the bacon guy, right, or the bacon person. Yeah, the person that loves the bacon. And then there's the cupcake people, and um, the beer drinkers and everything. But there wasn't really pie lovers like me out there. So I embraced something that was uniquely something that I truly did enjoy. And then at the beginning of every presentation. I would, uh, when I in, would introduce myself, I would tell a little bit about myself, my background. I love my business. I love my family. I also love um, coffee, chocolate, and pie. And I would have the audience members, I'd say, before we get started, why don't we have two or three volunteers stand up, tell us who you are, what your business is, and what's your favorite kind of pie. And that what's your favorite kind of pie was just this universal connector. Um, you know, Someone would stand up. My name's Jeremy. This is my business. I run a cleaning service. And I love apple pie because my grandma used to make it growing up. Someone else would stand up. Um, my name's Mavita. My favorite pie is key lime because it reminds me of my uncle in Key West. You know, So there's always a little backstory behind it. It wasn't just like I love apple pie. It was always like something that went with it. Um, and then it was like using the, the hashtag that day, social media pie. People started using it 
not just that night, not just the next day, but it was going on for weeks and weeks afterwards. People were still using it. Somebody who attended wrote a blog about it. Um, the person who won the pie emailed me. She was so enthusiastic. I'm like, there's something happening here. So I did what any smart marketer would do. I went on socialmediapie.com on GoDaddy, bought the domain, redirected it to Meller Marketing. Um, I went across all social media properties and I bought or, or I reserved social media pie. And that was it at the time. It was really no intention of doing anything further. But then as I started to get closer to what my book was all about, I, I wrapped it around this, this concept of social media pie, which is a blend of things. It is my love of pie and how pie is similar to marketing, but also pie is something that should be shared. And what I found for me, the key, one of the keys to LinkedIn success is focusing more on other people, sharing those insights, shining the spotlight on them, um, and in involving your community, that's going to help you to get a bigger slice of LinkedIn. So there was a little bit of a play on words with that, but that's kind of where the title came from. Um, and yes, there is a piece of pie on the, the cover. It's an apple pie. <laughs> Which of course is my favorite. So <laughs> it's really the only kind of pie I eat. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it just, it just is. Uh, so if you could give us, you know, a few of the highlights from the book, and I know we haven't talked about this yet. And I think this is kind of lead into that is some of the more specific tactics that I'd like you to share about LinkedIn that people miss that are easy fixes, if you will, or things yeah. that they should be, you know, trying to take advantage of no matter, you know, what, what their current situation would be. Cause I know I talked with Terry about this is that you, you can link you, there's different users of LinkedIn, you know, right. people that are looking for a job, people that, you know, have a business, people that just want to network with other people. Um, so I'd, I'd like to talk, you know, maybe some of the specifics about things that you see that people miss you know, kind of across the board. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and kind of as it relates to, I mean, I, I, a lot of these concepts I talk about in the book as well. So, you know, one thing is think more about this whole concept of social media karma. How can you pay it forward to other people in your network and do that more than you talk about yourself on the platform? Um, if you're using LinkedIn to generate sales and business development, it, it sounds counterintuitive, Paul, but if you, if you just tweak the dial a little bit on that and use your profile for selling yourself, for selling your business, for explaining what you do, listing out your products and services, including all those calls to action, build your profile for yourself to promote yourself and to promote your business. But then when you're posting on LinkedIn, instead of pushing out sales messages in the homepage feed, which we all know, don't get a lot of engagement because nobody wants to see a sales pitch in their homepage feed. But instead, what if you talk about, you know, hey, I'm on this podcast interview today. Here's a picture of me and Paul shining the spotlight on you, Paul, and talking about the parallels in our business and, and what you're all about by tagging you, by shining the spotlight on you. Um, that's creating that you know, nice spotlight effect on other people in your network. And people are more inclined to look at your profile, you know, to look at you, you Paul, and not necessarily back to me. But some of the people that see that post are going to click to go to my profile, where once they have been brought back to my profile by their own action, they're more open and receptive to those sales messages that you have weaved throughout. So just, you know, thinking about changing that perspective a little bit, you know, looking at your own post, and you got to be honest, are your posts sales messages? They probably are. And I would say five days of the week, um, if you're posting every single day, maybe one day of the week, it's okay to be direct in what you're doing, promoting an event, a webinar, a sales pitch, a product, a service. But four of the other days, you should be talking about other people. You should be talking about articles you're reading, industry events that you're attending, tagging people and organizations whenever you can. Um, that will build up more of that community engagement. And it, I, I guarantee, Paul, if I tag you in a post and if I talk about you, you're going to reply back and you're going to thank me for that. The next time you see one of my posts in the homepage feed, you're going to feel like you owe me a favor because I did something nice for you, right? So when we do that continuously over time, um, that's one of the keys of success on the platform, that it's not just about you and what you're getting out of it. It's really about what you're putting into the network. And one analogy I like to use, I talk about this in the book, is 
when my son, um, a couple of years ago, when my son first got a, a, a savings account at the credit union, they give him one of those little, the, the visa cards, you know, the, the check cards. And he was like, cool, now I can go and spend money. And I said, Joshua, that's not the way it works. You have to put money in, in order to take money out. Like having a visa logo doesn't just give you power to buy everything. Cause it's not a credit card. It's a banking debit card. And I kind of had to clean the concept. LinkedIn is the same way. If you're not getting anything out of it, it's because you're not putting anything into it in terms of how many deposits are you making that are helping other people on the platform. So when you kind of think about it that way, be honest with yourself. How often are you talking about other people? How often are you engaging on their posts, liking and commenting on them, for example? Um, the more often you can do that, the more results you'll start to see for yourself on LinkedIn. So I know that you, right now, obviously you're primarily focused on on LinkedIn, but you have had experience in a lot of work. And I know I see on Facebook as well. Talk to us about like maybe some of the bigger differences between LinkedIn and Facebook, because obviously those are the two major social platforms. I guess throw in Instagram because that's, you know, I always think of it as part of Facebook. Um, right. But what are there... Should, should people be using, obviously people, professionals maybe looking for a position or looking to you know, get specific knowledge or maybe are, are utilizing LinkedIn more so than, than Facebook, but from a, I guess a social media platform perspective, you know, where do you kind of lead people to? Yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing is there's all these different social media sites that are out there and they all it's overwhelming by the way is my is uh, my take on it (laughs) it can be but i think about where can your customers be found so think about social media as places where people are interacting they are posting they're active you know some people are only on facebook and they're not on linkedin some people are only on linkedin and they're not on instagram or twitter or any other place so think about where can your audience be found you don't have to be active across all social media platforms I would encourage any business owner or or leader, even a small business owner or an entrepreneur, at bare minimum, at least reserve your business name across all the properties so that someone else can't create a Meller marketing page, you know, your business name here and pose as you. Um, And you don't need to do that on every single social network that pops up. But think about the big names, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, maybe YouTube if you're doing anything with video, but at least set up your pages. And then if you're not posting on there, it's perfectly fine to have an Instagram business page that says, welcome to the official LinkedIn or Instagram account for um, Tama, for example, please follow us on LinkedIn for news and information. So at least if, if you have people that stumble upon you on Instagram, they know where to go. They know that you're not active on there. Um, in an easy way, if you're trying to determine which social media pages to be active on, and you're not sure, look at your aspirational competitors. Where are they active and what are they doing on the platform? So when I say aspirational, what I'm kind of referring to is like, if I'm a small coffee shop, my actual competitor is the other small coffee shop right up the street. The aspirational competitor is your Starbucks and your Tim Hortons. So look up their pages across all social media and you can do a quick count of how many followers or fans or likes they have on on their page. And then you can quickly figure out which platform do they see, are are they seeing the most um, engagement on? I'm guessing Starbucks corporate has a LinkedIn page. It's probably using mostly for careers, you know, for promoting uh, talent acquisition and things like that. But if you look on and I'm just guessing if you look on Starbucks on Instagram and Starbucks on um, Facebook, it's more of a uh, B2C play. They're featuring their new macchiato, the little egg white bites or whatever they're promoting this week. Like they're more focusing those ads on consumers. And you can quickly see which of the pages have the largest following. And then you can kind of say, oh, it looks like they've reserved a TikTok account, but they're not posting on there at all. So that's something anyone can do. Just look on the platforms and don't feel like you need to be active. I mean, I'll even admit I have a TikTok account because my daughter wanted to have, you know, access to some of her friends' videos and stuff like that. But I, I think I posted maybe five or six videos on there and I could do more with it, but I choose not to. 
I do have a, a YouTube channel that I use as like a video library. And my son gives me a hard time. He's like, you got to have a bigger YouTube presence. And I'm like, I just, I, I don't want to be a professional YouTuber. I just want to use the platform for how it makes sense for me and for my business. But I hear you, Paul, it can be very overwhelming. There's so many platforms that are out there. So I want to, one, one area I want to come actually come back to is, you know, when we're talking about your business, I wanted to talk about maybe the, your experience and, and being a parent and having your own business and starting your own business from um, the ground up. You know, a lot of our audience are, you know, families, moms, dads, and, you know, some own their own business, some don't. So I think aspired to, to, to potentially owning their own business one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us about maybe what that dynamic has been, was like, has been like for, for you and your family. So, you know, you've got, you know, a 16 year old and, and a nine year old, um, right. and, and your husband works as well. Um, mm-hmm. so you have that added dynamic. Um, so talk to us about what that's been like. Um, you know, I, I think our kids watch us and they know if we're happy and they know when we're sad. And I remember, uh, my previous corporate job, not the one that I most recently left, but the one before that I had had a great run there. And then I had changes in management and leadership. And then I had a boss that was not a very nice person. And I would come home every night. And at the time I only had my son and he was, you know, three, four or five, whatever, um, and I remember coming home and I would cry and I would tell my husband stories of what happened at work today. I would cry and cry and cry. And then I remember after I left that place, used LinkedIn to find the new job. And I remember I was talking to my son about it one day and he's, and I said, do you remember when I used to work at XYZ company? And he said, yeah, you used to cry all the time. And I didn't realize he was paying attention. Like as a parent, you kind of think like the kids aren't really paying attention to these things. Or you're having conversations with your spouse and they're not listening, but they're always listening and they know when you're happy and they know when you're sad. And my son, what he remembers about that previous job is you were crying all the time because um, I was so frustrated, you know, towards the end of my career there. Um, but, you know, now I look at, you know, in the beginning, when you first go into entrepreneurship after leaving a corporate career, it's, it's kind of like a honeymoon period. Um, you have the freedom and flexibility to do whatever you want, whenever you want. You have no status meetings anymore. I mean, you have client meetings and things like that, but your day is your day. It, it's not an eight to, to five or eight to six. It's a whenever you start it to whenever you end it. And hey, if you need to go grocery shopping in the middle of the day, go grocery shopping. And I remember one day I was at Star, or, uh, at the Starbucks at a Target store in the middle of the day. And I just took a picture of myself in my car. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I don't feel guilty <laughs> about it. Um, and my business was going really well. And, you know, I, in the beginning, I was, I was just doing a lot of things I'd never done. I was doing all of those kids field trips. I was signing up for my son's school store. Uh, I was making dinner a lot more often. You know, we were spending a lot more time as a family and I, I had left the corporate life that I didn't have those things hanging over me and I could dedicate more time to my kids. Um, and then over time it was like, I would celebrate little milestone steps in my success of my business. So I got a bell. I don't know where it's at. Oh, it's right here. I'm going to ring it right now. So it's one of these little, um, you know, bells that you buy from, I bought this from like a teacher supply store, but it's like the little deli bell, you know? And every time I, I would have an inquiry coming in for new business, I would ring the bell. And then every time I would have a check come in from someone, it would get two bells. So my kids now are attuned to, and they're all working, you know, they're all, they were all home for a while. So that when they would hear the bell, they'd say new client, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes my, my daughter would be in my office and I'd be working on stuff and, and she'd say, did you get any new clients today? And I would say, oh, actually, yeah, I did. And she's like, can I ring the bell? You know, and having them celebrate those, those successes with you is important. And now my husband, my, uh, my son is a sophomore in high school and he's not really too sure if he wants to go to college. And I respect that. If you don't want to go, then don't go. I'm not going to push you. But I said, you got to figure out what you want to do. And he's, he's dabbling with the idea of being an entrepreneur. You know, he's, he's trying to figure out what he wants to do, what he wants to sell and you know what he'll do. So he'll come in sometimes and he'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll say, I'm working in QuickBooks. And I said, do you want to see my, my profit and loss statement? And I'll show him stuff. And it, it, 
he'll look at it for a, a bit, Paul, and I'll admit at one point his eyes kind of gloss over <laughs> and then he walks away, but at least he's showing interest. Yeah. And sometimes we'll have conversations in the car and I'll tell him about uh, different client interactions and situations. And I, and I introduce him to the concept of a PETA client, P-I-T-A. Have you ever heard of this, Paul? No, I haven't. Um, so PETA clients, we all have them as entrepreneurs, um, pain in the, and um, a, a, a blank blank. <laughs> um, it's the ones that come in and you give them a proposal and they don't want to pay your prices. They want to negotiate down, negotiate down, negotiate down. And you do because you want the business. And then they always want more than what you've delivered. They never are responsive in the turnaround time. Um, and sometimes they're late to pay. I've had a couple that I've had to chase for checks and, and you know, re revamp the way I price my, my proposals and things like that. And you know, coming in that they're going to be a PETA client, you know, they're going to be a PETA client. So I was telling him about, you know, one interaction one day and, um, and, and, and I, and I was telling about one day and then a couple days later, we were talking about something else. And I, it was, I, I was talking to him, I said, do you remember what I said about a PETA client? And he's like, yeah. And I said, what does it stand for? And it was like pop quiz with him in the car. It was like a marketing pop quiz inside the car. And I said, think about the concept. And then he, he's like, oh yeah. And then he remembered, he, he spit it out, you know, pain in the blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, they watch us, they observe. I'm, I'm teaching my son so that he can have the option if he wants to. And I want him to know it's not all sunshine and roses. It's hard work. It's having an accounting process in place. It's chasing after bills. It's finding new business. It's keeping myself visible. I'm trying to teach him all of those things. But I think it's important that our kids know that we're happy in our jobs and that we like to do what we do so they can know that they can choose any path for themselves. They don't have to go only one route. Um, to figure out what's, what's a success for them. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. Those, these kids are like sponges. They, yeah, they know what's going on. Like I remember like going through my career transition. Um, they knew something was going on. They, they knew that, you know, things were more tense in the house. They, 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 things were more sporadic, but now it's funny that you talk about, you know, the, the clients and the bell, because I, my, my kids ask me all the time, especially my two girls about, well, did you, did you have any client meetings today, dad? Did, did you sign any new clients? And yeah, they're, they're really excited about when I signed 401k clients, because I told them, I think it was like a year or two ago on our summer vacation. When we, when we go up North that I said, look, if I sign, you know, X amount of, of new clients, new 401k clients, then when we go to Moomers ice cream mm -hmm. in Traverse city, Michigan, then everybody gets two scoops of ice Ooh. cream and not one. So for, for that year, they were always like every day, like, did you get a new 401k client? Did you get a new 401k client? And so I yeah. think my daughter, Madison, who's the oldest of the triplets, I think she knows a fair amount about 401k plans than, than a lot of people do in this country. Well, and that's, it's scary, but it's, it's a good thing that you're starting her young to understand that. And Maybe you should get a bell then, you know, something for the kids to ring at home. Yeah, I, I think, you know, th that's a, the great thing I, I've really loved about these these podcasts and episodes and and having these conversations with people like you is I always pick up something um, new. And I, obviously, I, I there's a lot to pick up from this conversation with you, but I think mine will be that bell for sure. And I know Madison will. She'll, she'll, she'll love that. So I'll actually have her go <laughs> help me pick out the bell. Yeah, the kids do. And I, I picked mine up from, uh, I mean, they sell them at office depot and stuff, but I went to, there's a teacher store called, um, Lakeshore learning and they have a lot of teachers. And I get a lot of my little, you know, props and stuff for my business from there. I get thank you notes from there and there's little inspirational posters and stuff in the store, but the bell, it actually has, um, a ladybug, which reminds me of my mom. And then there's a flower and stuff on it too, but it's just a fun decorative. It's not just a plain silver bell. I think that's one thing I've learned about myself in my business. Everything that I choose for my business, I don't want it just to be something that's the cheapest generic bland version of it. I, I chose pink for my brand color because I really do like pink and the personality and the pop that it brings. And I chose a bell that has a ladybug on it because it reminds me of my mom. And, um, you know, there's different elements when you're self-employed, you can do whatever you want because you have no boss that's standing over you saying you can't do that. Um, you know, and it, it's a lot of fun to have that freedom and flexibility. And then the kids get involved. We're out in, out in public somewhere. And my daughter will say, mom, look, pink scissors, you should buy them for your business. 
you know, that's, it's, it's kind of a fun little element. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, I'm like looking at my list of questions and I can go on and on, but I know I only have you for a finite period of time. So I'm going to kind of jump to my, my last closing question that I ask all of my guests. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to end up having you back on at some point in the near future. So we'll, we'll get to these other questions at another time. But my closing question I ask all of my guests is what is the best thing about being a parent? Hmm. Oh, there's so many good things about being a parent. Paul, that's a really hard question. Um, the, uh, the ability to, I, the, the, the fact that your kids love you no matter what. And I remember when I was, you know, when my kids were, were little, they're getting a little bit older now, but you know, they, you just, especially when you go through those toddler years, you're just at your wits end. <laughs> Um, and you're just feeling like a sponge that has every ounce has been strung out of you at the end of the day. And you've got nothing more to give and you're yelling and you're cranky. And I remember the kids would be sitting next to each other at night and story time. And they would just look up at you with those little eyes and just like, they look in your eyes. I love you, mommy. And I'm like, and I would say to my daughter, I'm like, but mommy was really cranky today. That's okay. I know you love me. Just that, um, I can't think of the phrase right now, but just that that love that is just there. Um, you know, I, I love being a mom. I, I, I don't know. That's just one of the things I think about that. Just when they look in your eye, you're just everything to them. No matter what you did that day, no matter if you yelled or if you were crabby, they still love you, you know, un, undeniably day up, day down, you know, day, day in, day out throughout the year. Well, I think that is a fantastic way to wrap up our conversation here on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Brenda, I cannot thank you enough for the time because I know you're a busy woman, a busy mom, entrepreneur. Um, so I'll have a bunch of links to our in, in the show notes um, and especially to, to your social media pie book that I think everybody should check out. A lot of great insights in there. I know I'm in the process of, of getting reading it, reading through it right now myself. Um, so, um, definitely want to recommend that to our audience, but Brenda, thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, I'll definitely be looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you for the opportunity, Paul. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the emotional balance sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.